Hey everyone, it's Thomas. You might be wondering why there's a random episode of the podcast being released on a Wednesday. I never drop anything on not a Monday or a Friday. And that's because this is not my episode. This is a brand new section of the podcast with a new host that'll be released every other Wednesday from now on, in addition to the full episodes on Mondays and the weekly news roundups on Fridays. I'm really excited for this new section of the podcast. And with that being said, I'll get out of the way and let the host introduce herself. Hi, my name is Lauren, and I will be the host of this new segment of the Alligator podcast based on the Avenue section of the Independent Florida Alligator. I really enjoy going to concerts and trying new foods in Gainesville, and I wanted to share those experiences with you and discover what else Gainesville has to offer and discuss different articles from the Avenue. So that is what this podcast will be about. I hope you all enjoy. You are listening to the Avenue section of the Alligator podcast, where the independent Florida Alligator, the largest student newspaper in the country, discusses the entertainment, food, and culture in Gainesville. Subscribe and tune in bi-weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear our latest episodes. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at The Alligator, and read our latest stories on alligator.org. So, this episode originated with Heather's story, the show must go on, how Gainesville venues are moving forward, which, by the way, you can find on alligator.org. We are going to hear two different perspectives from two people who are very involved in the music scene in Gainesville. And they're going to talk about how COVID has affected the music industry and where they believe the music scene might be headed. Hello, my name is Pat Lavery. I'm the facility and events manager at High Dive. I'm also the owner of Glory Days Presents. We're a concert promotions uh, company located in Gainesville. We've been here for 15 years, and High Dive has been here for nine years. Do you remember what was going through your head when the shutdowns first started happening around March? At first, you know, I think a lot of people, you were skeptical, like, oh, this is crazy. Why why are we shutting down? Maybe this is going to last for a week or two. And when I saw that uh, the NBA canceled their season, and I knew this was serious because, I mean, that's billions of dollars, like, they wouldn't shut down for a hoax. <laughs> so, yeah, so when I saw that, then I knew we were, we were pretty screwed. Um, and it's become apparent that right now we're still screwed because even though we're open, it's, it costs more to be open than to be closed. Even though the, the state has said there's no restrictions anymore, and the state has said, go ahead and pretend like it's pre-COVID, be 100% open, that's not the responsible thing to do. So... You know, we're still operating at a very low capacity. We've put seats all out on our dance floor when typically we're general admission standing. And uh, we're trying to keep people under control, but also have a good time. We're trying to create an environment that is both fun and safe. And that's not necessarily profitable. In fact, it's definitely not profitable. It's not going to be. The only way that a place like ours can survive right now is with, uh, with government assistance. We're constantly, and we've been constantly, lobbying government for aid and had some success, but not enough. So we have, a, we have a call with the governor next week. We'll see what happens. What is the motivation, then, to stay open right now? 
Well, I mean, you know, as I, as I said, I've, I've basically grown up in this building, so there's a huge obligation, responsibility that I feel to keep it going. Because again, if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? A lot of people don't really understand, you know, how much it takes to keep a place going like this. And so I always have been willing to. I'm still willing to put in the time and the effort. And, you know, it's harder now than it ever has been. It kind of feels like we're starting our business all over again. I, I'm here for every single show. I, I'm doing three different jobs. And you, you don't know it if next month you'll be able to pay all your bills. And that's exactly how it was when we first started. So... <laughs> We went from pre-COVID, February, March, busiest we've ever been, on pace to have our best year ever, to now losing nine years of progress. So, and I don't think I'm, you know, that story is unique to us. It's certainly not unique in our business, in our industry, because there's clubs just like ours all over the state, all over the country, all over the world. You know, I just hope that we can get it under control, because we're, what, seven, eight months in at this point? And we're basically where we started, zero progress. And people in our industry are telling us it'll probably be another year, at least, of this kind of uh, status quo. And basically, the only thing that's going to get us back to normal is uh, A, vaccine, B, treatment, C, numbers go down. At that point, then bands can tour again, like real full-scale tours, because a very large portion of bands are only going to tour if they can play major markets like New York, Chicago, L.A., because they can make 10 times what they make here in Gainesville, Florida, in a larger market like that. It's already hard to get bands to come to Florida because a lot of it is geographic because you have to kind of drive down and then double back. And then, you know, there's some people that just have bias against Florida, wrong or right. They just don't want to come here. So this is just making it harder this is setting back our entire industry 10, 15 years. It's, it's not good. Some people, some politicians are starting to realize this now, and they're starting to say, yeah, like, we can't just be open 100% and hope for the best. Like, we have to get this under control. And because, especially in Florida, our biggest industry is tourism. So we're... We, we did Independent Venue Week last year. It's a, it's a, it's a week that showcases and highlights uh, what independent venues are doing. So um, we got an invite to a Zoom call right after the pandemic hit from the people that run Independent Venue Week. And they said, hey, listen, we know a lot of people don't know what to do right now. Let's all get on a Zoom call and talk. And in that Zoom meeting, 100 people, 100 venues, venue owners and pr promoters from around the country formed a group called the National Independent Venue Association, which is now, you know, a legal entity, a trade association, and there's about 3,000 members. And the amazing thing that's happened is that, you know, we've, we've banded together. Independent venues, they're that. They're independent. They've, they've never really worked together in an organized fashion. With this group, we now do. So what, what they did is they got some sponsorship money. They hired a lobbyist, the, one of the biggest lobbyists in, in Washington, D.C., and they started lobbying on behalf of our cause, which is, hey, we're screwed. 90% of us are going to close for real unless we get some help. Around, um, gosh, I don't know, April, we, we started really pushing for people to write their Congress people, you know, their, their, their House of Representatives and uh, Senate uh, representatives. And uh, we, we really utilized our email lists and our social media. 
And to date, we've had 2,000 emails on behalf of, you know, from fans on behalf of us saying to the senators, we want you to save live venues. And that turned into around, I guess, end of July, uh, Amy Klobuchar out of Minnesota, senator, and then John Cornyn, senator out of Texas, they came together and wrote this bill and introduced it into Congress and got even more momentum coming. People were like really amped about that. It's a huge, huge accomplishment for you know our industry, which has never worked collectively to get this introduced into Congress. And we've been pushing ever since. Um, there's 50 senators out of 100 that support the Save Our Stages bill. They've all said, we're gonna get this done for you. It just needs to be part of the bigger stimulus package, which we're still waiting for uh, to get passed. It could be February. So we're all still holding on here and we're trying to you know, now lobby the state to give us some funds because the state shut us down for six months and have given us no help. But going back to the Save Our Stages bill, what it does is you know, any venue, promoter, booking agent, talent manager, anybody who's a professional in the um, live music space will have the ability to um, receive funding to float them for another six to 12 months while we're waiting out the pandemic. In these Zoom calls that happen now every week, we're all able to share information and saw that a lot of other venues around the country were going to live streaming. And, you know, obviously people were jumping, like artists were jumping on Facebook immediately and doing it. That's what a lot of people remember from the beginning of the pandemic. But, you know, we, you know, kind of got the idea like, okay, you know, venues are doing this now. We can do this. Within a couple weeks, we had our plan. And then at the same time, this was June, they, they told us at the beginning of June, the state did, that we could reopen. They gave us, they said, in two days, you can reopen your bar. So we said, okay, well, we're not ready to open yet, but we'll open like early July. And so... The live streaming was supposed to be a compliment to us reopening because we knew we knew some a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable to go with going out yet. So we said, okay, we're going to do what's called a hybrid situation where we're going to have live in-person shows and we're also going to live stream them. And we worked on that. We got it all set up. And then right as before we were about to install everything, like literally Amazon had just dropped all the boxes at my my steps. They said. Never mind, all the bars are closing again, so sorry. <laughs> and uh, so we said, okay, well, we just spent thousands of dollars on live streaming equipment, you know, with the idea we we're going to reopen. Can't do that. We had six weeks, eight weeks of shows booked, contacted all the bands, said, hey, who wants to do live streams? You know, half the people raised their hands. Yeah, I'll do a live stream. So it was just an experiment. And it actually turned out pretty good because we didn't know what we were doing. So we, we needed that time without audiences in the building to figure out our, how to do live stream and you know best practices, get practice on how to do it, make it a smooth show. And I would say in a matter of um, six weeks to eight weeks, we, we got pretty good at it. Do you think the High Dive will continue to utilize live streams in the future? Uh, the plan uh, going forward is for all of our shows to be streamed unless the artist doesn't want them to be. And how have your in-person Rocky Horror Picture shows gone so far? So we came up with the idea that, um, you know, we wouldn't allow any drinking inside the showroom so that people would have, you know, no excuse to not have their mask on. In this situation, we have our seats all spaced out. They're in a checkerboard pattern on the floor. Our capacity is about 25, 30% what it usually is. And we say you have to leave your drinks outside in the beer garden. 
Uh, and when you come inside, you wear your mask at all times. And, and that's, that was the thing that made the cast really comfortable. Starting next month, we're going to start doing live music in this format. And, uh, you know, we have a good four or five weeks of shows lined up right now, mostly weekends. People are excited about it. You know, there's still some people that don't want to come out and still some artists that don't want to perform. And frankly, for those people, it'll probably take a vaccine to get them out here. You know, all we can do is, is try to do it safely for the people that want to be here and hope for the best and hope that this funding comes. The live music industry is, is at a real turning point where venues like ours could go away. And the only place that you might be left to see live music is at an arena or an amphitheater or a stadium or, you know, a restaurant where it's like a band's playing in the corner for tips, you know. Places like ours that are dedicated music and event venues where, where people come specifically to see that performance and their attention is on that performance at all times. And it's, it's, it's a small, intimate place where artists can start small and then develop into a bigger artist where they play, you know, a theater or, or an amphitheater or a stadium or a festival. Like, that's what we do here. And places like ours are very much at risk. Do you think it ever will go back to the way it was before COVID? Uh, yeah, I think it will. It's just a matter of when. Is it five years from now? Who, who wants to, to wait that long? People just have to persevere and, and hopefully we'll all make it to the other side. and I am the co-founder of Music GNV. So what drew you to the live music scene? So I have been a participant in the Gainesville music scene since I was in high school. Uh, so like 15, <laughs> 16 years now, I would say I sort of found who I am and came to understand pieces of my own identity and myself through attending shows, you know, all the way back then through to today. And within the last few years, I have felt very strongly that this scene that I love, I am able to give back to it using skills that I have. And I would say that in terms of my involvement in the music scene, not just as a participant, like as a passive attendee of shows and that sort of thing it came from that desire to give to others that experience that i have had so many times over the years in addition to supporting local venues and musicians and the overall scene that fosters those people and spaces This year has felt like 10 years, so I want to say we launched it in March, but that feels like an entire lifetime ago. We intended to launch it in May. Me and the, the team of founders of Music GNV were working on you know, creating a plan and developing all of this, like this vision for what Music GNV was going to be to meet needs for, for artists here in Gainesville, and we were going to launch it in May. But when COVID happened, well, A, all of the things that we identified as needs sort of became irrelevant. Like we were very 
much focused on helping our artists to build up their branding when they were trying to do live music. The main goal, you know, if you summarize all of the things we were intending to do is to support local artists and the local scene. So we said, what does that look like in the time of COVID before, before anybody even knew what that meant? And uh, what that meant was helping support through live streams and other digital methods. We were among the first to um, host artists doing live streams in Gainesville. And that led to a partnership with the city of Gainesville. The city had all of their free Fridays shows canceled. They would, they used to have free concerts at Bo Diddley Plaza on Fridays. And so what they wanted to do was figure out a way to still utilize the money that would have gone to those free Fridays shows and artists, but do live streams instead. So because we were, you know, again, among the first organizations in Gainesville to be doing live streams, they reached out to us and said, hey, can you help us get our live stream situation going? And we were like, of course. So each week, Music GNV has been hosting a live stream on Monday, and Gainesville Live has been hosting a live stream on Friday. Gainesville Live is is the, the people who ran Free Fridays, but Music GNV pays all of the artists for both of those through the contract. So the city has allocated a certain amount of money for each of these artists, and we help make sure that that money gets to the artists that have been booked. And any guarantee for an artist right now is really fantastic because if they didn't have a guarantee coming from us or from someone that they're doing a live stream with, they're doing live streams sort of by donation. And that's incredibly unpredictable in terms of how much you might get donated for any given show. And the donations overall have sort of gone down as time has gone on in this quarantine. Do you remember like what was going through your head when the pandemic hit? So my initial thought when everything shut down was like, oh no, I'm going to have to cancel with everybody. It felt like I was letting everybody down. This was before we understood just how bad it really was <laughs> and like how any of those events, if they actually happened, would become super spreader events. You know, we didn't have that language back then. It was just like this thing that we were hearing about in other cities didn't really hadn't really affected Gainesville yet. And so I felt like to make the decision to keep everyone safe, even though I really wasn't sure like that it was necessary at that moment, I felt like I was letting everyone down. Now, granted, over time, I've come to realize that that was the best decision I could have possibly made and that keeping everyone safe was the right thing to do on so many levels, not to mention the fact that the city would have made any of those events illegal because they were more, a gathering of more than 10 people, which is what the, you know, what the requirement was back then. But that was all information that came later. Once we determine what the actual like how we could actually help and that was with the live streams initially it turned it all around and it made me very excited to be able to support uh, our local scene in such a unique way in a way that we would have never even thought was an option 
before you know before the pandemic like having booked shows for years now i can tell you the live stream on facebook before march would have never crossed my mind and and if it did come up i'd have said uh okay that's a fun idea but like nobody's gonna watch it live streams are a band-aid on a bigger problem and that is that everything that the music community and the music industry and artists have based their income around which involves live shows because to be honest the income for streaming and you know record sales is 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 minimal to say the least so the main the main source of funding for the people who create the art that we all love has been eviscerated we have talked about doing socially distanced shows and experimenting with that we talked about what it might look like to do like a drive-in show back before that started being a thing like that is becoming the new sort of safe way to do shows but there's just how do i put this Personally, I feel more uncomfortable doing a show since the students return to town. I don't mean <laughs> to like be the like pointing all the blame on potential community transmission on college students because I know that's a sweeping generalization. But if you drive by downtown Fats or Lit on a Friday or Saturday night and see a hundred people pouring out of a fully packed bar shoulder to shoulder, no masks to be seen. It, it makes me feel very uncomfortable putting together an event that would bring a lot of people together in one space. But yeah, we, we don't have any explicit plans right now. We have been very interested in doing it, but there's a lot of factors that are going into play and we don't know if right this second is the right time, but it might be in the near future. Do you think that live streams will continue to be utilized once you do transition to live shows? I think that they will be as an addition to live shows. I think that live streams will go on be sort of a specialty thing that artists are going to be more comfortable with doing than they were before because we've all had to learn the technology and that audiences will be more accustomed to watching. It's not going to be anyone's first choice, I think, but I think artists do actually like the convenience of streaming a show from their house. One of the things that I have been really encouraged in seeing this year during quarantine is that the Gainesville music scene has actually grown. I didn't expect that. There have been acts that came out of nowhere during quarantine. Ones that I had not heard of or had not been playing shows before March of this year. And they're, you know, really incredible. And I'm just like, wow, I cannot wait for us to be able to do shows again so that I can actually (laughs) see them perform in person and not just on my computer screen. So to say that the Gainesville music scene is not thriving even in this hard time, would be completely inaccurate. And that is really encouraging for me to see that, like, 
yes, even though things are hard, we still have a really supportive and thriving music scene that just continues to grow, even though it's hard right now. (laughs) This has been the Avenue section of the Alligator Podcast. I've been your host, Lauren Witte. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Lauren underscore Witte. We appreciate everyone for listening. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at The Alligator and find our latest stories on alligator.org.